This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, you're listening to Sharmila Ganesan and Sharad Kutin. Tonight, why do we import so much of our food and what can we do about it? This comes from data indicating that our consumption of imported food has steadily increased over the years. So first we speak to an economist about how to reduce our over-reliance on imported foods and then we discuss how we can do better with cooking and eating local. So tell us, do you make a point of cooking with local produce? What would it take for you to make that switch? You can call 77332900, tweet us at BFM Radio, send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U mobile number 018789899. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08. So, um, the Ministry of Agriculture and Food Security released data back in March that essentially said the value of our imported food in Malaysia has seen a steady increase since 2013. So, it was around $63 billion in 2021, uh, around $75 billion in 2022, and it is projected that this may reach $100 billion in 2025. Uh, one of the reasons is that there is low supply compared to high demand by consumers. Now, Deputy Prime Minister Datuk Sri Ahmad Zahid Hamidi has said that we cannot continue to be reliant on food imports uh, because he says that this will lead to... um, Essentially, he said reducing imports and increasing local food production will not only reduce the foreign exchange, but it will be able to stimulate the domestic economy. To what extent does this sound like Groundhog Day to you? When when we're talking (laughs) about these issues, right, it comes out over and over again. Uh, I think there has been for a long time a realisation about food security as a problem. Uh, There's still, and yet there's been underinvestment in the agricultural sector. And then when we talk about moving forward, because of Obviously, regrets aside, there's nothing we can do about the past. Um, What is the time frame for turning things around? Because when you're thinking about a farm, all these sort of economies or uh, systems that need to be developed, there is a time frame from which we can uh, realistically expect these to churn out and produce the kind of net um, results we want, which is increased food security. So in many ways, our segment today is a follow-up of the story we did on Friday, right, where we talked about um, grocery lists and how to keep our monthly expenditure down when it comes to food. And our guest, uh, Dr. Shankar Nambiar, he pointed out that the um, alarm bells around our our agriculture and how we should move towards being more self-reliant has actually been ringing for a while. It's just that there hasn't been enough in terms of policy to make that shift. So you're absolutely right that this isn't the first time this has been brought up. Um, I do think, though, that it is interesting to talk about it alongside these conversations around um rising cost of living and the fact that people do want solutions, actual tangible solutions in terms of what is the government doing uh, in terms of bringing my, my expenses down? Yeah, but I think we need to be mindful that uh, going local is not necessarily going cheap, right? Yes. And so this is the other thing, because it might be that, uh, say, if, 
any number of things like onions might be more cheaply grown uh, in in India or uh, Thailand for us to import, and that it. But the food security discussion will take us beyond the question of cost. It will take us to how do we ensure, especially if the world locks down again, or if there's a global disruption in, uh, or there's a disruption in global supply chains. Can we ensure food for the population? Now, that is not about cost. That's about security. And so we're going to have to balance the two. And we have to be mindful that sometimes we'll have to pay more as a consequence of wanting that security. How does that translate to the average consumer, though? You know, because food security is actually quite a tough um, thing to translate into day-to-day decisions or choices. And in fact, it's it's probably why um, when calls like these are made by politicians, it often rankles a little bit because what is the average consumer supposed to do about decisions that are made on a policymaking level about who we import food from and what we ex- how we export our local produce? Yeah, so there needs to be a deep and nuanced conversation about what food security means and, uh, and not, uh, you know, falsely kind of conflate this with uh, lower cost because we say that uh, going local is going cheap. Uh, that's only true in some instances. It might not be true in all instances. So we are going to unpack this in a little while with Dr. Carmelo Ferlito, CEO for the Centre for Market Education. But we are talking about um, not being over-reliant on imported food. So we are asking you, do you make a point of cooking with local produce? What would it take for you to make that switch? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Being first matters. BFM 89.9. It is 6.13. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. We're talking about um, our economy being over-reliant on imported food and uh, how we should be making the switch towards more uh, local sources of supply. Um, So we'd like to hear from you. Do you make a point of cooking with local produce? What would it take for you to make that switch? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Now, joining us is Dr. Carmelo Ferlito, CEO at the Centre for Market Education. Carmelo, good to have you with us. So data from the Ministry of Agriculture and Food Security shows that the value of imported food in Malaysia has steadily increased since 2013. How do we account for that increase in Malaysia's consumption of imported foods? Well, good evening to all of you. Thanks for having me. I would say that uh, uh, we have uh, uh, two main factors to be considered with regard to the increased uh, value of the imported food. One is price itself. Prices have increased, and so when we measure value, we take into account also the increase of price. And secondly, could be uh, a switch in uh, consumption habits which is also a symptom of actually of a society that is eventually getting more exposed uh, to foreign products and can afford more foreign products. So I don't see the phenomenon as necessarily uh, as a negative phenomenon. could be also a sign of more opportunities in the market and opportunities that are affordable to people. But uh, Carmelo, what are the long-term effects of dependence on imported food? Dependence 
in itself is not necessarily a problem in the sense that if the products that are imported are products that are uh, produced elsewhere at more competitive price when compared to the Malaysian production cost, and as far as these products are affordable by the people, this is not an issue in itself. It becomes uh, an issue when uh, uh, I would say there are potentials in the country for efficient productions of products uh, that could be competitive on an international market, but these opportunities uh, are, not, uh, 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 are not exploited. So what are the issues then when it comes to encouraging local producers to increase supply for domestic consumption rather than for exporting? What policy should we be exploring on this front? I think that with regard to the production uh, side, the main issue could be in certain industries fragmentation. And I think that the most significant example at this regard is the production of rice. Dependence in Malaysia from rice could be one of those dependence that we could consider a negative element because indeed there are all the conditions technical, soil, geographical, and etc., for increasing the production of rice in the country. But uh, policies that favor fragmentations, like subsidies, the prevalence of the small uh, owners, uh, and etc., made the uh, industry, the, in the rice industry, extremely backward in the country. And these are the situations where we need uh, that we need to address. So. How can we eventually favor concentration in a certain in, in a certain industry and favoring economies of scale? This is uh, the point of action uh, that we can explore in those fields that eventually can be a source of competitive advantage for Malaysia. Are there certain food categories where we could work towards reducing our reliance on imports and what would uh, we need to help us make that shift more feasible? Uh, as just mentioned, the most symptomatic industry, uh, in my view, is rice and removing those legislations that keep the rice industry extremely fragmented in Malaysia um, is uh, the first uh, and most important step to be done to make the rice industry to grow competitive at international level. Like an example was for the poultry industry. Look at the poultry industry and agriculture uh, supply that remains extremely competitive in Malaysia. Malaysia is self-sufficient on chicken production, or at least it was until the great lockdown. And uh, this was possible because uh, legislations uh, of control and favoring fragmentation were never introduced in the poultry industry. Now, should more be done to make the import of goods less accessible? No, quite the contrary. I think that if we make import less accessible, in the end, we are going to uh, penalize, to punish consumers. Let's not forget that if people buy foreign products, it is because there is, in general, an advantage for them, and the market is supplying products that the people need. 
So we, we need eventually to see if there is the possibility to make local production more competitive, uh, less fragmenting and etc. But absolutely nothing should be done to limit import because uh, those that are going to suffer when we limit import are ultimately the consumers through uh, less products, eventually worse products and higher prices. So what um, so, uh, some analysts have suggested a market study of the supply chain of all agricultural commodities. What key data do you think is needed for the government uh, to come up with more effective policies? I am quite skeptical about the efficacy of uh, this kind of studies that can be useful for the government to get the bigger picture of the supply chain, but uh, production decisions cannot be based on studies or master plans. Production decisions are dynamically taken in the market responding to market signals. Market signals are ever-changing, evolving. So uh, while studies are in general of a static nature, so they don't produce useful information for more informed production decisions. The more markets are free, the more the supply side is able to react to market signals without restrictions like permissions, price controls and subsidies, the more we are going to get uh, rational uh, entrepreneurial and production decisions. A study can be just a snapshot for the government to understand what is actually happening in the country, but then this should not bring the government to take entrepreneurial decisions, which are dynamically evolving in response to market signals. Carmelo, thanks for speaking with us today. That was Dr. Carmelo Ferlito, CEO at the Centre for Market Research, speaking with us about um, food imports and calls by certain quarters that we shouldn't be over-reliant on them. Uh, on that note, we've been asking you, do you make a point of cooking with local produce? What would it take for you to make that switch? You can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio, BFM 89.9. Burden Free Malaysia, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 6.38, you're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad, and we've been talking about uh, the fact that we are very reliant on imported food and how perhaps to shift away from that. So uh, a number of reasons, uh, one of course being that it would empower our local um, industries, but another of course, as, as you mentioned earlier, Sharad, the issue of food security and um, how to be more self-reliant. Um, so we will later hear from a chef about how we could be making better decisions in terms of cooking and eating and and using local produce. But we do want to hear from you as well. Do you make a point of cooking with local produce? What would it take for you to make that switch? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note, or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Um Sharad, you brought this up in last week's show as well, that you find it quite exciting to shop at the local markets and, and in fact, cook with local produce. I was curious about what led you there. Was it something you've always done? 
No, I don't think so because um, I, in fact, celebrate the supermarket as <laughs> a, a gift from you know a global capitalism. So I must say that. Um, I'm not dissing the supermarket and what happens in all those, um, uh, I guess, you know, specialist stores that we have in Malaysia for different types of cuisine or different types of food. And uh, I, so I, 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 my love for the local, my interest and a sense of adventure with the local isn't about rejecting the global. You know, it, I think I'm in an embrace of both. I, like For the longest time, it was just my left hand over the shoulder of the global. <laughs> now I've got my right hand over the shoulder of the local in an equal partnership to produce, at least for myself, uh, the best kinds of food I can, I can afford. I mean, I think that's perfectly acceptable. In fact, I think that's actually what most people should be moving towards, right? Because I don't know that we can feasibly anymore survive with just local produce. But I think what this conversation often brings up is that a lot of us, uh, especially if you shop only at supermarkets, um, don't really have access to a lot of the local produce that we do have. And we, in fact, do have an abundance of them. Um, others don't necessarily know how to cook with them. Um I think I feel this particularly when it comes to fruits and how, in fact, the easier fruit to get most of the time are imported fruits. Like your grapes, apples and oranges. Yes. Uh, in fact, actually, uh, Sriram is making a point about that and saying the problem is less about choice and more about availability. It's so difficult to find local produce, especially fruits and vegetables. Take bananas, for example. It's increasingly difficult to find local varieties like barangan or rastali. The supermarkets only seem to stock Cavendish bananas imported from the Philippines. Similarly with other vegetables, they all come from China. Even cabbage and broccoli, which is grown locally, I'm willing to pay a slight premium for local produce if the quality is good, but often it's just not available. So Sri Ram, that's a very interesting, uh, several interesting points you make. One is that you, you're actually willing to pay a premium for local produce. So that's, so that's where the local uh, isn't equivalent to cheap, Cheaper, yeah. right? So that's one thing. But yes, the loss of variety, I think uh, the Supermarkets are perhaps guilty of that, not stocking enough local stuff. Maybe it just doesn't uh, it doesn't get sold enough. But when you go to a pasatani or you go to a farmer's market or you go to the, uh, you know, uh, night market, the pasamalam, you probably get a greater variety. But the fear is that, in fact, producers... Uh, are just not there. They're disappearing because of the lack of demand. And so you're not getting those bananas because, in fact, there isn't enough uh, demand for them. Well, demand is one, but also what is the supply chain, right? Earlier, our guest Carmelo Ferlito talked about fragmentation when it comes to the um, rice industry in particular. But I also wonder whether that's a challenge that we see with our fruits and vegetables as well, because... Why is it that there isn't there isn't a direct or easier supply chain from local growers to supermarkets? Um, and we were talking about this off air, where I was telling you how um, if you go to a, a supermarket in say Australia, uh, usually you would get fruit or vegetable that's in season. Um, increased at a time when, of course, that's the season it's supposed to be available. Um, and that suggests that there is a clear supply chain going on. What is it that's missing in the local scenario? 
Yeah, it's a big question, and I don't feel I'm competent to answer that question. I, I put you, you on the spot, didn't yeah, I? Well, you know, um, it was a philosophical my, question. It was, it was it a philosophical <laughs> question? I just I must say when I think back to growing up in Johor Bahru, and actually I was in the uh, living in the city, but you know it was suburban Johor Bahru in the 70s where a lot of us had land, and there were a lot of fruits that we grew ourselves. You know that you didn't have to buy in the market. So you know when Sri Ram mentions Rastali, I, I have all these um, uh, Im- images in my head of a Rastali as a kind of banana that we, you know, the kind of like uh, dappled, uh, you know, yes. yellow and brown yeah. dappled skin that I associate with Rastali or, bung, uh, or, or, or pisang mas, which is that tiny little uh, banana that's s- super sweet. You know, all these things were part of my childhood. And why they're disappearing? Uh, it's a good question. And, and is it just a question of demand? Is it j- just a question of the way that we're living now where we don't have our own garden? So a number of people making points about price. So Fazli says, ideally, I would like to use local as much as possible. But the reality is that I rarely look beyond the price tag and how much I'm getting for it. But you bring up a good point about how local doesn't always mean cheaper. I remember while studying in Australia, the price for certain local produce would be more than three times the the imported produce. My apologies for not supporting the Australian farmers during my stay there. Meanwhile, um, Let's see. Linia says, I cook based on price and whatever is available at my pasapagi. No clue where the fruits and vegetables are really from. Yeah. So, I mean, Linia, I think, you know, you, like many of us, are kind of cut off from the reality of of the food producers. We don't have a sense of uh, what they are, what they do and and what what they produce. Right. And I I remember many years ago, um, there was an activist in Penang and Penang Hill, a guy called Organic Ong, uh, who who we call Organic Ong, uh, who tried to create a relationship between farmers and the people who buy their produce. uh, and that in that relationship, something uh, deeper would develop. I, like you, I go to the market recently, there were onions, you know, big onions sold for about four ringgit a kilo. And then there were the sh- uh, shallots, you know, the the little onions that were, came in these bunches. Yeah. And they're 17 ringgit a kilo. And I thought, oh, those could be better onions to cook with. But 17 against four uh, it was just an imp- impossible uh, decision. It's like Sophie's choice, really. Well, um, more people talking about how really, in the end, it comes down to how much they're spending. Um, Steve says, I don't really care whether the stuff I buy is local or imported. As much as I want to support local business, ultimately, the most important deciding factor for me is the quality and the price of the product. Uh, meanwhile, Michael says, if it's the same price for the same quality, I would choose local. But if it's the same quality, I pick whichever is cheaper. The way the economy and the cost of living is going, there isn't much room for paying paying premium for the same thing. Yeah, so I think I think we all have in this current climate uh, a focus on you know value for money, but sometimes you can get a lot, but the value might be less. So I think one of the things that we we are not talking about is re- nutritional value. So you can get a lot of bulk, right? So you can buy like a lot, but then the question is, does that bulk carry the same nutritional value? I'm not even talking about taste, right? So in the, in the the discussion about uh, my or my 
description of the Charlotte's, it's, it was about taste that I was concerned about, you know. And of course, it's very fiddly, right? You're going to kind of peel these well, smaller onions. Well, I suppose onions. that's where quality comes because a number of people are not just saying price. They're saying quality and taste and so on would fall under quality as well. Yeah, so taste is one thing. What about nu- uh, the nutritional quality of, how do we even tell that? That's a tricky one, I think. Um, yeah. One could argue, of course, that local produce is fresher because it takes less time to get to you. Um, and so there's that. But often you're not in a position, as Lydia pointed out, most of the time you don't even know whether something you're buying is imported or local. Yeah, so I read disturbing news about the fact that some simple vegetables like tomatoes, right? A tomato today isn't the same in terms of its nutritional value than a tomato, uh, you know, a decade or so ago. Why is that? Is it to do with our soil? Uh, is it to do with production processes? Is it to do with, uh, you know, when things are harvested? All these actually impact quality, the, the true and genuine meaning of quality for, for the consumer. Keep those thoughts coming. We are asking you um, whether you make a point of cooking with local produce. What would it take for you to make the switch? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note, or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Breakfast for Masters, BFM 89.9. It is 6.51. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. And we're asking you um, whether you make a point of cooking with local produce and what it would take for you to make that switch. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We have, uh, let's see. We have uh, on Twitter, Beeman saying, I buy local where possible. I feel it's cheaper and also more fresh because of less distance travelled, I reckon. I'm surprised that listeners are saying it's hard to find local veg in supermarkets. Most have it these days. Yeah, well, you know, it really depends on your supermarket and how good they are. I mean, these are perishables, right? So this is the other reality with a lot of, uh, with some of the produce that we have. It doesn't keep very long. If it's if you're talking about vegetables, um, meats of us are, and fish can be frozen and that can keep for a long time. I, I do want to say that, you know, how many of us have the time to source the best produce available, make those decisions. I mean, it's a, almost a full-time job. And if you're a restauranter, you might be able and actually you'd want to get the f- best produce for your restaurant. But for a lot of us, it's a practical measure. It's a practical thing, right? It's what's within a kilometer of us in order to get those things. So this is this came up last week as well, right? Because there were a couple of people saying that they sort of compared prices in different supermarkets and then bought whichever place offered the best value. Um, but again, that's not something everybody can do. And it does take a fair amount of effort to make these comparisons and to go around and check and then when you do your shopping, to actually go to multiple locations to pick those things up as well. Um, We have a voice note that's come in. This is Vasanthi. Hi there. I think at the end of the day, it all boils down to the price. Like, for example, if it's an ayam kampong or local mutton, right, it's going to cost you a bomb compared to the normal broiler chicken and also the Australian mutton. So I think... If you want for taste, of course, they said the local chicken and also the local mutton tastes better. But if you want to go for price, then obviously we have to go for the imported ones. Unlike fruits, uh, you can see raspberry, blueberries are being so expensive. 
and you just rather buy normal grapes. <laughs> Vasanthi, grapes also make me uh, <laughs> rather uh, shocked at how expensive they've become, honestly. Are there, are there local grapes? No, right? No, so grapes are imported as well, mm-hmm. as far as I'm aware. So, again and again, the question of actually I just buy whatever is cheapest um, is coming through loud and clear. And that makes me think about what it means when we talk about policy that actually strengthens local farmers or local agriculture. Because clearly, your point about not everything local will be cheaper would mean that it wouldn't be attractive to the local consumer. Yeah, I think there's so many parts to this puzzle, including uh, the question of, you know, how much do we eat and how much do we need to eat? Because, um, and I've been to the Pasatani in my neighborhood comparing the price of mutton. And I asked, I had these conversations with them, you know, because just because, uh, you know, I'm a busybody and, you know, I like to be friendly. I asked them, you know, where does it come from? Where does this meat come from? And I, when I asked about mutton and comparing the prices with mutton, I I was quite surprised by the, the the difference, and yes, everybody is going to go generally for the for the cheaper option. But sometimes, you know, less is more. So you you buy less of a quality product, uh, and then maybe with the additional thing of helping the local economy. So we are asking you um, what whether you make a point of cooking with local produce and what it would take for you to make that switch. Um, after this, we will be speaking with Ili Sulaiman, who is a celebrity chef, as well as a host at the Asian Food Network, for tips on how to cook local, um, how to substitute things for local produce. But in the meantime, keep your thoughts coming. You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us, BFM 89.9. Beyond Frivolous Mishmash. BFM 89.9 It is 7.07 you're listening to the, you're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad and we've been asking you um, whether you make a point of cooking with local produce and what it would take for you to make the switch now we're talking about this because um, start, uh, data out of the government show that we are overly reliant on food imports and therefore um, they are encouraging us to switch to using um, more local well firstly to build better channels of distribution and supply when it comes to local produce but also for us to be more comfortable cooking with local produce so send your thoughts through you can call double seven double three two nine hundred, tweet us at BFM Radio send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 now before we get to our next guest uh, we have more messages that have come through so John in Denver says I always buy from the smaller less successful business enterprises and I don't argue about pricing with the poorer men or women selling fish or meat or vegetables John I first want to know why you call yourself John in Denver, which because uh, because I know you know uh, about that singer, but I I do want to say that um, yeah, it's very difficult. I mean, I think we, when we go to the market, we all come with different expectations of what we can do uh, with different resources, right? So, a, a one size fit all a fits all kind of solution is just not available. Um, the question really is. 
uh, are we mindful about uh, the way things are produced and the consequence it might have beyond ourselves and our personal choices? So it struck me actually that um, a lot of the discussion and the arguments put forth by the eat local movements and uh, the slow food movements and so on have less to do with price, which is the point that have been coming up that has been coming up a lot today, and a lot more to do with what are you getting for the money that you pay because the impulse to eat more local um, isn't always tied to it'll save you money. Instead, it's tied to things like you will get better quality, you will get um, you will empower local economies, you will get more familiar with local produce and therefore a certain type of cuisine. Um, and, and I do think that that aspect of quality, that you'll get a tastier meal because you are eating something that's meant to be grown in the soil that you're, you're eating from. Um, I think those are all things that need a fair amount of consumer education before you can expect people to particularly perhaps spend slightly more. Yeah, I've you know, Shaman, I've had an, some several interesting experiences going to the market with friends who are not Malaysian, uh, either from Bangladesh or from West Africa, and how they approach what is available there. Because there are things that I see in the uh, the farmers market that I don't even recognize. I, like, I don't know what to do with those things. Uh, and then on the other hand, you know, friends have, you know, these very friends have introduced me to things that are really tasty, that are local, that I, again, I didn't immediately recognize as uh, adding to the flavor of my food, including things like smoked fish and, and smoked duck that, you know, in the in the style that, you know, uh, you would do it in Malay, in Malay cuisine. So the ikan salai and the, you know, it is ally, um, you know, uh, produce. Well, um, Kelvin says a lot of good locally produced stock is exported out for better margins due to the currency. What's left are mediocre standard products. So in this instant, aren't the imported goods better value? Take the durian, for example. They export the Musang King um, because it has better quality and gets a better price. What's left is the normal product that suits with current local prices. Yeah, I think that might be correct in some instances, but you know, what I think, at least when you talk about durians, is the loss of variety. So the Musang King has come to dominate uh, the market. Yes, it's uh, largely exported, but you know, we have maybe uh, lost our uh, our appreciation of the varieties and the subtle differences between all the varieties of durian that are available. And I think you can extend that to other types of things, including bananas, uh, because each of these bananas have a different quality to them. Well, now that you've brought it up, I think I do need to plug my favorite local durian suppliers because they do exactly that. Um, they're called Biji Bumi Durian and they work with local indigenous communities to um, essentially revitalize and sell the varieties of durian that you can get here other than say, your Musang King, right? And my mind has been blown by the ways in which each durian tastes so different. Um, they are probably a little bit of a money investment, particularly if you're used to getting your durian buffet and so on. Um, but I think it's really worth it if you're a durian lover. And, and that's exactly the kind of thing you talk about when you talk about empowering local uh, farms. 
Yeah, so again, you talk about the buffet style, the the agribusiness um, model that has a single variety, monocrops, and then you'll have a, a type of taste and you don't have much beyond that bandwidth. Uh, and this becomes a real problem to our taste buds. If we have systematically uh, educated ourselves out in appreciation for the diversity of tastes that are available locally, this might be the heart of the problem, right? And so mm. something like, the the slow food movement, I believe there's a branch, I just saw it on Facebook, a branch in Penang, that tries to revive our uh, connectedness with the land and with farmers and what is available here. So after this, we'll be speaking with Ili Sulaiman, who is a celebrity chef and host at the Asian Food Network, about how to cook more with local produce. But in the meantime, keep your thoughts coming. Do you make a point of cooking local? What would it take for you to make that switch? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. And keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Begin fun moments. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. It is 7.14. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. And we are closing off our conversation on how to shift away from imported food by looking at how we personally could be cooking more with local produce. Uh, We'd love to hear from you as well. So keep your thoughts coming. Do you make a point of cooking with local produce? What would it take for you to make that switch? You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. Um... And if you have questions for our guest, you can send those through as well. Because joining us now is Ili Sulaiman, celebrity chef and host at Asian Food Network. Ili, good to have you back with us. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me, Sharon and Shamala. So oh, good to be back in BFM. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to us about how you incorporate local produce into your cooking. Well, the first thing I do is actually I um, order a vegetable um, uh, sort of subscription. So I get from a local farmer. So I really don't know what I get every week. It's a surprise sometimes. Some of the vegetables, I'm like, ooh, what's this? Um, So I think that is the first way you can actually start consuming food. Some people I know have community gardens that grow or they grow in their balcony, they grow in their garden. Um, So yeah, so that's how you can start eating local veg. Ellie, what about this whole idea? You seem to be suggesting this kind of farm-to-table, um, you know, um, approach to cooking. Yeah, is that something that's only available to the the chefs of the world, or can us as no. kind of ordinary <laughs> beings, mortals, uh, mere mortals, can we also do the farm-to-table? Of course. I mean, like this all started during the pandemic because you know we couldn't go out as often, and I think there's a lot of local farmers or even like um, subscription models that are uh, like available on marketplaces like Lazada, Facebook, you know, Instagram and so on and so forth. So it really depends on you. I think it's just great because you can control kind of your budget as well. And you're also supporting local farmers. But if you're the type that enjoys going to the grocery store, um, then yes, I would suggest picking up local vegetable versus, you know, imported vegetables because they taste better. <laughs> Let's just be real. <laughs> so that's, that's my take. That's the mm. thing, right? There are actually a lot of perks to using uh, and consuming food that is sourced locally. So uh, they are often fresher, there's better flavour, you support your local community. So why right. do people tend to go for imported food? Is there a perception that it might be a better choice? Yes, I think it's perception, it's branding. I mean, I just did a quick search, right, on Instagram before I came on. 
recipes. And all I saw were Western recipes, Western vegetables, recipes for vegetables, recipes for local produce or Asian recipes. And they all come from, you know, foreigners cooking Asian food. So they're going to be using zucchinis and like, you know, um, different types of pumpkins that we can't get local pumpkins. So I think it's branding. It's also, there's not a lot of coverage around local vegetables. And that's why I'm an advocate. If you look at my Instagram now, I'm talking about a lot of local stuff, local produce, local fish, local uh, ulam ulam, you know, because I feel that there's not a lot of conversation and there's not a lot of coverage on local um, produce. So yeah, there's when there's pe- not a lot of people talking about it, there's not shows highlighting all these ingredients and all these recipes, then they're going to disappear and people are going to stop eating it and farmers are going to stop, you know, um, planting them or producing them. Well, take us by the hand and, you know, take us to the, your uh, local Pasatani or Pasamalam. What are the sure. best and most versatile local vegetables or, or meat and fish, uh, which you think are cost effective and also healthy? Well, the first thing you go for, obviously, you have your ulam-ulam, right? I mean, I'm talking about even ulam-pegaga. I, I went to botanical gardens that day and I saw ulam-pegaga all over the grass. And I was like, oh my God. And then I was picking it up. And I was just like, this is amazing. So you've got your ulam, you've got your ulam raja and all this is very affordable. You can get a bundle for like a ringgit to ringgit, you know, and that can last you, you know, for a day. You can have it for lunch, you can have it for dinner. Then obviously you have your bak choy. You have all your choice. Choice some. Bak choy and all the kailan, the kangkong. These are all such versatile, so delicious. Just fry with some garlic, some onion. Perfect. If you want a bit of sambal, sure, why not? And then, of course, you have your local fish, your kembung, sardine, tongkol, tengiri. You know, you don't need to buy such big amounts. Um, I always tell my followers, you know, um, buy for the next two or three days um, if you have the luxury to do that. Because, you know, we're working now, we're out and about, we're going to be eating meals outdoors. So, you know, buy what is necessary. Don't overbuy because then you will waste it. And cook simple. Fry fish, grill fish, masalama, a little bit of, so if you want to be a bit extra, some curry. Um, but yeah, it's really that simple. You don't need to like be so grand in your dinners and your lunches. But, Start small and work your way through the meal. And then you have a nutritious meal. And I always say, cooking at home, no matter how luxurious it is, how many ingredients you use, it's a lot healthier than eating out because you're controlling what you're putting in your food. Now, you mentioned Instagram and, and recipes online and, you know, 100% I find most of my recipes uh, by going online. And if I were cooking yeah. and I found a recipe that uses ingredients that might not be easy to get here or um, perhaps I just want to substitute it for something local, how would I go about yeah. doing that switching? Um, it's very simple. Um, you can actually... so. I think there's there's a need to find out a little bit of the knowledge behind it, right? So if they're saying, okay, let's use a zucchini, for instance. A zucchini family, if you Google it, it's something similar to the pumpkin. So you can actually use labu uh, for a substitute. So pumpkin for that. Um, if they're saying, oh, uh, baby spinach, you can actually use spinach as well. Just cut off the leaves, wash it really well, and you can use that in a salad. So a lot of people think bayam or spinach, you can't actually eat raw. Yes, you can. Um, and they say kale. You Kale is exactly the same as kailan. <laughs> so 
exactly the same. So you really need to know um, a little bit. If you don't have an idea, you can always just drop me a DM. I'll be happy to oblige with all these questions. Um, but there are a lot of great substitutes out there uh, that are local and not expensive and you won't break the bank trying to create something delicious for you and your family. Yeah, so on the question of substitution, in fact, the the article that started off our conversation was yeah. the issue of how, you know how grapes are preferred over guava and mm. and so on and so forth. When you think about, uh, say, fr- in the fruit category, what do you think is happening with the way Malaysians are consuming fruit, and where is this yeah. a local foreign or local sort of non-native fruit uh, uh, equation kind of panning out? I think it's because, like, again, there's not around. There's not a lot of conversation, or there's not a lot of branding around local food, right? Not people are not celebrating it, like as you know. I think that there's a lot of branding with imported food when they come in. You know, they have all these like fancy, you know, um, uh, content creators, you know, and they have all these like it's everywhere. It's highlighted in the supermarkets, and so obviously the local foods then become you know like uh, afterthought. Um, so you know. Um, it's also about like in, like making making local food exciting again, and I feel like there's a lot of sugars actually in in a lot of imported food. Um, and you know, if you if you want to say take the example of the grape and guava, right? If you take a Korean, you know, grape that is like a hundred ringgit for a box, which is absolutely ridiculous, and then you take a a guava, um, and you eat it, you eat the grape, and then you eat the guava. The, the sweetness is completely different, right? You can't, it's, it's like two different things. But if you take the guava and you dip it in some asam and you eat it, it's like, it's absolutely delicious. So it's about reuniting that like childhood memory or that memory of like eating fruit, at, you know, at your grandmother's house and, you know, really talking about it. And I feel like a lot of people would rather Instagram or talk about imported fruits and like oh my god this is 100 bucks as opposed to like oh my god I had this guava chicha in some you know serbo uh, asam um, and I think that there's not a lot of celebration of Malaysian food and produce hence why a lot of um, you know a lot of expenditure is actually on imported stuff because we just don't celebrate Malaysian produce as much as we do um, when we cook something that's foreign so that's my take on it really I like that you use the word excitement when you talked about this, because certainly for me, rediscovering local produce does come with weirdly a, a certain sense of excitement in learning, relearning how to cook. Um, and I was wondering how the average person who may not be as skilled as all that in, in cooking or being adventurous, mm. how do we rediscover that excitement? If you, I, I believe that all Malaysians love to eat. Right, We're born with these amazing palate. It's genetics. It's also epigenetics. It's memory that's passed down through generations. And because we are such foodies, if we make the effort to go into the kitchen, we know what goes with what because we know what tastes good. And it's all about taking that first step. So I always encourage people to pick one thing and master it. So if it's going to be rice, then master rice, master to cook rice, master to cook fried rice, master to cook chicken rice, and you just upskill yourself, you know. If you are a 
vegetarian, you love vegetables, master the art of cooking vegetables or putting salads together or karabus or ulams, you know, and sambals and things like that. So always pick something that you're passionate about and that you love eating and start with that. And don't start with something super scary like ikan baka or like, you know, <laughs> um, start with something that you can actually, um, uh, it's easy and you don't need so many utensils. And, and that's how you, you know, get excited about things. And then once you start cooking, you start understanding temperatures, you start understanding flavors, you start understanding seasoning and so on and so forth. Then it's endless. You know, I'm a home cook. I'm not a chef. I didn't go to culinary school. I learned from my grandmother and I, I saw how they cooked for the family and, you know, and it's made me who I am today. And I, I find inspiration even, you know, you know, for Illipot, my steamboat and grill delivery business, like I sleep and I think about what soups and I wake up and I, I feel because I'm passionate about soups. I love soups. So I wake up and I'm like, I have to make the soup and I test it out. And then the next day is on the menu on Illipot. So it really is about what you love and start with that. I must say, I find uh, making a rendang much more scary than ikan baka. But uh, on that theme, what do you think is the greatest danger to the Malaysian palate today? Um, modernizing. I mean, I would say modernization. I would say, uh, let's say, uh, maybe we forget the f- we forget our mother. I can't say mother tongue because that's language, but. We forget our um, mother teeth. Is that is that even a word? I just <laughs> like, made a I word up. I think it should be like, like heritage, yeah. basically. Like heritage, right? So you know the reason why I started cooking as well is because I miss my grandma, my late grandmother, my arwanini, and I miss her cooking. And the only way I could connect with her was through her recipes. And if we stop cooking the recipes of our ancestors we're going to lose our legacy and we're going to lose our heritage and we're going to lose that little bit of our family. So I urge everybody right now, tomorrow or tonight, call your grandparents, find out what the recipe is, find out from your mommy and dad the recipes that you grew up eating and start cooking them because if you don't, they're going to go forever. So, yeah. (laughs) Eli, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. That was Eli Sulaiman, celebrity chef and host at the Asian Food Network, um, sharing some tips and, and some philosophical thoughts, really, on how to cook more local. Uh, do share your thoughts with us. Do make a point of cooking with local produce. What would it take for you to make that switch? You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. You've been listening to Inside Story, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.